Welcome to Launch Left, an intentional space for art and activism, a podcast label, a launch pad for left of center artists. Our guest today is Aloe Black, musician and activist. I'm really excited to speak to him. Please welcome him to the show. But first, rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Welcome to the show, Aloe Black. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I have like so many questions, but I want to start with your record. Um, that you just put out, and it's the first record you've put out in in a minute. It's been like seven years, and I'm just curious what propelled you to want to make this record now, and and what is this record about? So this uh, is my first album in seven years. Coincidentally, my daughter is seven years old. So in between time, I've been focusing a lot on family and uh, personal relationships while making music, still traveling, still sharing my performances with audiences across the world, but also just being particularly, uh, you know, focused on parenting. I grew up in a family where my dad was in the Marine Corps. And as a Marine, he would travel a lot and be away a lot. And since I have the same kind of occupation, but not the same necessity, you know, I don't necessarily need to be away all the time. Um, And so I made the conscious decision, well, along with my wife, that, you know, I'd be home more than than away and not get sucked into rock star lifestyle of just traveling and being away all the time, being present for the family. And in that seven years, were you kind of writing and stowing away songs or did it just all happen in a burst? Writing and stowing away songs. I've had so many songs over that time, um, so many different projects I could have released, different themes to those projects. But in the end, I felt that after 10 years of marriage, seven years of being a parent, that it was time for me to be a bit more, you know, candid about my life and share some of the reality that I'm experiencing. Was that hard for you at all? I don't think it was, it was too hard. I still haven't gone as deep as I probably can. Uh, I think it's still very surface level, but it's it's definitely not trying to portray the single uh the single man lifestyle, you know, that ultimately would have been part of my first solo album and then um and my second solo album, but on this third album or on my third album I was married, but I didn't have kids and I was newly married. On this album, it's a whole new experience. So I feel like it's important for my audience to grow with me. And I've got to tell those stories. There are other kinds of themes and styles that I do that don't express so much about my personal life. So I feel like an, an album called All Love Everything with with the songs that are on it is the right message for now. If you don't mind me taking it back a ways, I'd love to, to hear how music found you. I was... Maybe, you know, four, five years old. And the expression and experience of music that has them that I feel was most profound was uh, breakdancing to hip hop music with the kids on the block. So I'd go outside and the older older kids and a couple not much older than me would be breakdancing on cardboard on the sidewalk. And that gave me a sense of the 
I guess the beauty of what music can be, um, a communal experience, a physical experience, and not just an oral experience or an, an, uh, an experience that you, that you receive with your ears. So then the music that I would hear when I went to family parties, my parents are from Central America, from Panama. They listen to a lot of Caribbean and Latin music. And those songs would be blasting out of speakers while all the kids were running around having fun. And um, I got to see my parents having fun to music. And that was um, another profound moment for me. And I think after that, the next would be, you know, at elementary school, third grade, when I started playing the trumpet, decided that I wanted to learn an instrument and um, and started to learn that I didn't have to be a, a passive listener of music or someone who's just expressing myself through dance. I could actually produce music. Hmm. And was, was trumpet your first instrument or was it piano? Did you end up learning piano? Yeah. What was your first instrument? Trumpet, trumpet ended up being my first instrument. And I, I played from, you know, through elementary school up to high school until I decided I'd wanted to just focus on hip hop. Because when I, at the same time I picked up the trumpet, I started writing lyrics, um, rap lyrics. Um, and then by the time I got to the middle of high school, I met a DJ named Exile and we started recording songs together. So it ended up being um, a moment where I just started focusing on the lyrics and no longer on playing the trumpet. I know you spoke about music and how it influenced you, but the written word and in including that and being a songwriter, was that something that like happened around that age too, really young? Or did you do that more in your 20s that it became that you started writing? No, I started writing when I was nine. Um, wow. It was just like rap lyrics that sounded like they could have been LL Cool J's rap lyrics. And then then I started developing my own style or at least adopting other rap rapper styles. So by the time I was 15, I was I had my own sense of self and my own sense of of lyricism and um was making music that was being appreciated by not just my friends in high school uh, but by the local hip hop community in in my area and then uh I had I think a year later we we recorded a mixtape of about 45 minutes worth of music. So my DJ friend um said we should press this up on a cassette and and sell it. And we took it to a a, a breakdancing convention called B-Boy Summit and we sold 500 mixtapes of our own music. And then, um, you know, from there, we just kept on making music and, and never stopped and uh, kept developing my skill. But because we were sampling from so many different genres, classic rock, classic uh, soul, um, uh, R&B, and bossa nova, we were just sampling from everything. And I was learning a lot about songs structure and songwriting from the artists we were sampling from. I, I fell into this moment where I, I was just absorbing everything from singer-songwriters like Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, Cat Stevens, um, Elton John, and Bernie Taupin, 
Stevie Wonder, um, Nina Simone, you know, and and learning, learn Bill Withers, learning everything about that method of writing, which was different from what I was doing in hip hop. At just around around that time, my dad bought a piano, and so I started trying to play piano and um, and write folk songs on the piano. And this is before YouTube, am I right? This is uh, yeah, years before YouTube. This is still around. Um, the end of the 90s, early 2000s. So this is like with real, probably with real vinyl or cassettes or, or CDs we were, yeah, and Yeah, no, mixtape. When I say yeah. mixtape, I mean real cassette. You know, 40, <laughs> 45 minutes on a 90-minute cassette on the A side was mix, uh, a DJ mix of like all the other really cool hip-hop that was going on. And then the B side, 45 minutes, was our own original music. Wow, do you still have any of those tapes? That's. I, th- I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure we have... We have the tapes. We still have all the four-track tapes. We would record onto a Tascam Porta Studio four-track where um, we only had one track for the beat, the drums from a, a drum loop record, one track from the, for a sample from some other record, and then a track for vocals and a track for ad-libs or scratches. And um, Wow. You know, I love that. I have that exact four track, so I know exactly what you're talking about. An incredible technology when you think about it, analog and lo-fi, but it's it's like that you could record four tracks on a cassette tape still boggles the mind. For me, the beginning of my career, it was the beginning of my learning, my experience, the beginning of my 10,000 hours, which, you know, I credit that to where I am today because music was not going to be my career. I was just doing it as a hobby. I was having fun with it. I was with my collaborators i was excelling at it but um you know i went to university and left the university and got a job in corporate america after i graduated but i got laid off so i had the opportunity to fall back on music just as a to pass the time until i got another job and i never had to never had to work again you know you you're out of a job and so of course the thing you love doing as a hobby is music and you start making music and what, you pass the tape to some people? All through high school, all through college, um, and even during my my corporate career, I was doing everything with my DJ independently. So we would, sometimes we would work with friends who had record labels, really independent record labels, and they would release things for us. But there was a moment where we were, after that mixtape, we were recognized by local radio, um, college radio and, and ind- independent radio. And the college radio station at UCI would play our music. A DJ by the name of Cheap Shot would play our music. And one of the fans of his radio show saved up money all summer to donate to us, to me in exile, to record our first piece of vinyl. So this is like my senior year in high school. And, wow. you know, that's a, that's a pretty amazing moment where like yeah. the music is being recognized in a way that it's an influencing and impacting people's lives that they want to... <laughs> take their yeah. hard-earned money from like <laughs> wherever they were working some fast food restaurant and donate it so that we could press our first vinyl which then made it possible for DJs to play our music more DJs to play our music at nightclubs and other radio stations and um you know eventually I had the opportunity then to travel and tour in Europe um when I graduated from university it was the unfortunate event of September 11th um, that was supposed to be around the start date of my corporate um, 
uh, employment. So my start date got pushed back and I got an opportunity to travel to Europe to tour with some hip hop artists. And one of the hip hop artists on that tour was a producer by the name of Ono. And I recorded some music with him when I came back from Europe. And that music made it in the hands of the record label that signed him. Stone's Throw was an independent hip hop label out of Los Angeles. Very, very um, uh, well-respected hip hop label. The kind of label that, you know, people around the world wouldn't even care what the artist was that they were releasing. They would just buy the music because they knew that it was going to be curated and they'd like it. So I recorded songs with Ono. One of the songs, I recorded an entire rap album, 16 tracks, well, 15 tracks of rap. One of the beats that he gave me, I decided I would sing Sam Cooke's Change is Gonna Come. It was that recording that piqued the interest of the rec of his record label. And they wanted to sign me as a vocalist because I was singing on that song. And so I figured, sure, why not? Let's, let's try it. Between the time that I, I worked for a couple of years and that particular song made it into his label's hands, um, almost, you know, a year after or two years after I got laid off, they decided to sign me and gave me an opportunity to share, you know, a new representation of my, my artistry, which would be the songwriting that I could do outside of the hip hop genre. What did you say? 10,000 hours and as much sort of like right it's, people, right time. Yeah, like yeah. You just, it it's, all it stacked is. quite beautifully. I hope that it's happens for other artists like you. I hope so too. You know, I think what it comes down to though is, you know, having fun with the music is really important. And, and when it becomes, you know, the stress of like trying to make it a career, that's when I think things become difficult. And I'm, I feel like I'm lucky because I had, I didn't have that in my, in my plan. It wasn't right. part of the plan. Right. 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 And so I could just do it and have fun with it. And whatever came was icing on the cake. And, right. Um, this I think is, there's something to that for sure. Yeah. So I love hearing those stories too, because they're, they're inspiring in the sense that like, it doesn't mean you have to be so rigid about like, I'm going to do music. Sometimes music finds you. I feel like music keeps finding me. Like it won't leave me <laughs> alone. And I feel at this point I might as well do it because, you know, I have fun with it. People have fun listening to my songs and I can still do it as a hobby and, and do other things as well. I, I was listening to your record and your voice is so beautiful Thank and you. should be shared with the world. So I'm glad you're in music and that you are sharing that part of you. I noticed from the background of where we're looking at you now, you are in a studio. Is this where you write alone? Like, do you kind of hole up in there or is this just a different space somewhere? Yeah, no, I write everywhere and anywhere. This is, happens to be just the, the home studio where I can record things. Right. And, um, I do writing sessions from here, like virtually now that during the pandemic, but um, usually I'm writing and recording elsewhere. Like I go to other people's studios and I write with another writer or a group of writers that I've worked with uh, a lot and, um, and then record demos and record final uh, versions with the producer at the producer's home studio or something. I know you're an activist. Can you share with us a little bit about Artivist Entertainment? Yeah, Artivist Entertainment is an organization that I started with my wife and a few other um, really like-minded artists and friends. It's it's a 
It's a company, but we run it like an organization. The, the goal is to support artists who use their voice for positive social transformation and who are activist-minded. So it's the combination between artist and activist. Um, we support um, visual artists, um, dancers, musicians, uh, filmmakers in, in creating uh, works that will speak truth to power. Uh, and it's sort of our way of, you know, encouraging artists to recognize their, the power of their voice and to continue the tradition of the artists that we look up to and um, that, we, that inspired us. Amen. What is your form of activism? There's so many things going on in the world, obviously, and there's so many issues and causes and all of that. But uh, for you personally, what is like the deepest action, you know, soul force that you use out in the world? I think mine is to be the light within the darkness. Uh, you know, there's a lot of media in our world that is uh, preying on uh, the emotion of fear and television, media, film, lots of music that's violent, misogynistic, and um, depress depressing and, and full of anxiety. And then, you know, lots of news media. So my goal is to create songs and music that can stand in opposition to that and offer uh, people a place of comfort, a place of, of uh, to relax, and, and a place to feel happy and joy. And so that's, you know, symbolic activism. Some of the real direct activism for, that I'm doing is, you know, making phone calls to senators, assembly members um, in the state or Congress people in, 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 in Capitol Hill um, to l legal experts and, um, uh, you know, uh, um, nonprofit organizations that are in the civil rights uh, world to figure out how we can get uh, some change in in police reform and and justice in the United States, um, and I've I've come to learn so much over the past few months since the murder of George Floyd, uh, and how this the system here is really set up in a way that um, does not value citizens uh, because some laws and rules have been established that we are just completely unaware of until until you know recently has been coming out you know there's this uh supreme court doctrine called qualified immunity the highest court in our country which sets precedent for all the other courts basically says that you know whatever police do doesn't matter they're immune from any accountability for violating your civil rights point blank says it on paper it's oh like how how is that possible so yeah. Uh, the job that we have is very, very difficult because the Supreme Court doesn't want to touch changing that rule. They would rather let the lawmakers handle the the wording of the law. But the Supreme Court should change their interpretation of the rule because that's where the problem lies. You know, they've they've um, somewhere back in the 60s, they someone interpreted the law in a way that would uh, make it impossible for civilians to get their re remedy and make it impossible for police to be held accountable. It, that has to change. You know, I think about 
population-wise, and this this goes back a little bit to what you're saying about how much negativity there is, greater percentage of the population wants to be happy and their children to be safe, and they don't want laws that prohibit that. We're all so yearning for the same things, to be happy, not to suffer, for our children to be safe, for fresh food and water. Hearing you talk about qualified immunity, it's like, that's one of those things. We all just got to get on it. I still truly believe that, you know, at least a tipping point's worth of the population can absolutely change the course of what looks like it's pre-decided. I just commend you and Maya for doing what you do and for talking about it. I, I have really one more question before we play a bit of your song, which I'm happy to share with everyone, which is, is there anything that you would like to share with the youth or our listeners or artists or politicians or anyone out there? Is there anything specifically that you just feel like I we didn't touch upon that you would like to share? Yeah. Um, so this album that I've that I've released all of everything is really um, there's elements in this, in the album and in the songs where you can really tell what I'm doing. I'm being explicit singing about my family and my parents, my kids, but like in the first song on the album called family, there is the way that I choose the instrumentation and the rhythm also is part of the story. And so people ask me, what kind of music do I make? Am I a dance artist? And uh, because I, you know, have the hit "Wake Me Up." Am I a rapper? Because that's where I started. And do I do hip hop? Am I a soul artist? I think I do all of it. I'm doing all genres, and I'm using all these genres as part of the 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 method of delivering a message. So in this song, "Family," because my family is from Central America, and I grew up listening to salsa, I added in a very Latin rhythm. So that it, the music itself, even without the lyrics and the me vocal melody, the music itself is telling the a part of the story of who my family is and who I am. And so I do that throughout the album in, in different ways. Um, and it's not explicit. You'd probably require, you know, me telling the world exactly what I, what I did, but it's in there and it, it's part of the fabric of the song. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you for sharing that. And um, for everyone out there, get Aloe Black's record. <laughs> Listen to it. Hey, this is Aloe Black. You're listening to the Launch Left podcast. And here's the title track from my new album, All Love Everything. Is it just me? Or do you think about me like I think about you? Is it just me? Or does the world stop spinning when you step into the room? Cause I don't need no money when I'm walking with a diamond. Looking like a million bucks and you ain't even trying. First class loving my high like we flying. That's how it be with you and me. It's like all of everything. I wanna wake up in the morning with a wedding ring. Doing anything with you is my favorite thing Like the sweetest melody you make my heart sing out like In the summer sunshine Feels so good Every 
kisses so delicious it could be the first time With a perfect storm when our bodies are colliding Something supernatural like thunder after lightning Even on the darkest day on my silver lining That's how it would be with you and me Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. 